0: So again, the rest for 40 days, but then in chapter six and the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years and the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made themselves dens, which are in the mountains and caves, and strongholds. And so it was, when Israel had sown, that the Midianites came up, and the Amalekites, and the children of the east, even they came up against them, and they encamped against them, and destroyed the increase of the earth, till they are come to Gaza. They left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep, nor ox, nor ass. And they came up with their cattle and their tents, and as multitude they were like grasshoppers, for both they and their camels were without number. They entered into the land to destroy it, and Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried to the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said to them, thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt. I brought you forth out of the house of bondage. I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, out of the hand of that oppressor of you. I drove them out from before you. I gave you their land. I said unto you, I am Jehovah, your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. Verses one through 10. So the situation of this particular apostasy, turning their hearts away from God, God brought now the Midianites against them. Trem- tremendous number of people along with the Amalekites. And Gaza is about the southernmost point along the Mediterranean. So by the time they got to Gaza, they had gone through the entire land and coming from the east, clear on over to the coast, south to Gaza. Whenever the people would plant their crops at harvest time here, they would come, all these people, and just rip them off. They would, well, you'd get your wheat harvested and they'd just come down and rip them off from all their wheat and barley and all of their harvest. And then the next year, back again at harvest time. And so they took away all the sustenance of these people and a tremendous multitude of them. The people finally cried out unto the Lord, and the Lord answered with a prophet who told them the reason for their dilemma. Was the fact that they had forsaken God who had given them deliverance out of Egypt and had brought them into the land? So there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak tree which is at Oprah that pertained to Joash the Abezerite and his son Gideon, threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. Verse 11. So here was Gideon hiding from the Midianites as he was threshing the wheat, because if the Midianites had caught him, they'd take the wheat. And so he was out by the winepress threshing wheat, and here was an angel sitting under an oak tree. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you very brave man. And Gideon said unto him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why is all this calamity befallen us? Where are all of the miracles which our fathers told us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us out from Egypt? Now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this your might, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? And he said, O oh, my Lord, how shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor Manasseh and I and the least of my father's house verses twelve through fifteen. God oftentimes has trouble getting people to respond to his call. I mean God calls us, that's the beginning of it. And as soon as I respond to the call of God, then God lays out what he wants me to do, and then I resign. Lord, I can't do that. How in the world can I do that, Lord? God called Moses and said, Go in and stand before Pharaoh. Tell him, Let my people go. Lord, how can I go before Pharaoh? I'm not eloquent in speech. The Lord said to Jeremiah, I have called you to stand before kings. Lord, how can I stand before kings? I'm young. No one's going to listen to me. And God said to Gideon, Go in this your might and deliver Israel out of the hand of the Midianites. Lord, How can I deliver my family's nothing? I'm the least of my father's household. You've got the wrong man. Better check your address papers. It's not me. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you. Verse 16. Now there's the key of any successful service for God. I will be with you. Now it's an interesting thing that many times we endeavor to do a work for God, not directed by God. And this is why we so often just get overwhelmed when God tells us what he wants us to do, because we've already tried to do so many things on our own and we utterly fail. So the Lord comes along and tells us to do just the thing we've been trying to do and failed. And we say, Lord, I can't do that. I've tried to do that, but God gave Gideon the key of success the secret to his success I will be with you that's the key of success the Lord working with us learning to work together with the Lord you know the disciples had been fishing all night and had caught nothing and in the morning Jesus stood on the shore and he said children do you have any meat And they said no and he said cast your nets on the other side and when they did immediately the nets were full of fish they began to draw them until the boats began to sink with the multitude of fish so there's a difference between just serving and then serving at the direction of the lord when the lord is in it he can fill the nets when the lord is in it he can make it prosperous You can do the same thing in the Lord in the same way and apart from the Lord. You're going to pull up empty nets if you do it by yourself. But as soon as the Lord joins you, it makes the difference between the nets being empty and the nets being full. The key and the secret to all successful Christian service is in this verse. I will be with you. To recognize my total need of the Lord being with me, to recognize I can't do it myself, and to depend upon that presence of the Lord with me in all that I endeavor to do for him. How can I deliver the children of Israel from the hand of the Midianites? Lord, my dad is nothing, and I'm the least of my father's household. And the Lord answers, I will be with you. And you shall smite the Midianites as one man. And so Gideon said, "Look, if I've found favor and grace in your sight, then show me a sign that you've talked with me." Verses 16 and 17. And he thought, "Man, I'm I'm dreaming, man. This is this is way too wild. If you really chose me, then give me some kind of sign. Lord, I need a sign." Now Gideon was the kind of guy who was careful, and he wanted to make sure. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that God respects honest doubt. I think there is a dishonest doubt that no one respects. There are some people who come up with a question and just the way they ask the question, you know, they they don't want an answer. They just want an argument. They're not ready to listen to the answer when they do hear it. And there are other people who come up and the question is genuinely sincere and they are searching for an answer. Those kinds of questions are worth answering. The other kind, I don't have any time for. God is concerned with honest doubt. If you really are honest in your doubt, God respects that and God will confirm his word to your heart. Lord, are you really speaking to me to do this? And it is a wise thing to make sure it's God speaking. I mean, a lot of people have gone off on half-cocked ideas because they had some feeling or a vision or a premonition, and they've gotten into all kinds of miserable situations because they really didn't search out to see if it was really Yahweh God speaking to them. Now, if you've got some wild task that you feel God is calling you to do, make sure God has spoken it to you. Don't just go out and put your house up for sale and take off unless you're really sure that God has spoken to you. Make certain of that. And Gideon wanted to make certain Show me a sign that you really have talked to me, he said. Wait here, wait here. I want to go fix you something. Will you wait here until I get back, he said. I will wait until you get back. So Gideon went into the house, and there he made, ready, a a little goat, some unleavened cakes, a bushel of flour. He put the flesh in a basket, put the broth in a pot, and he brought it to the angel under the oak tree and presented it to him. And the angel of God said unto him, take the flesh and the unleavened cakes and lay them on the rock and pour out the broth. And so he did. Then the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes and there rose up a fire out of the rock and consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes. (laughs) Ha yeah. Then the angel of the Lord disappeared out of his sight. And when Gideon perceived that it was an angel of the Lord, Gideon said, alas, O Lord God, because I've seen an angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said unto him, peace, shalom, fear not, you shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord, and he called it, Yehovah Shalom, unto this day, it is yet in Ophrah, this altar that Gideon built, verses 19 through 24. Now, it's interesting that he called it Yehovah Shalom. He's about ready to go into one of the biggest battles of his entire life. I mean, he's facing warfare and an enemy in conflict, and God has called him to deliver the children of Israel from the oppression of the Midianites. But yet he calls the altar, Yehovah Shalom, God, our peace. For he is looking beyond the battle to bring the peace that God is going to bring through him. And so by faith, really, the altar is named Yehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace because he's looking beyond the conflict to the peace that God has promised to his people it's really very beautiful and as and we too can look beyond the conflict in our own lives to the peace that God has promised us and maybe you're in conflict and turmoil right now but he is still to you jehovah shalom the Lord, your peace, and he can give you peace even in the midst of the conflict. Jehovah Shalom, one of the beautiful compound names of Jehovah. And so it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, now take your father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the grove that is by it and build an altar unto Yehovah your God upon the top of the rock in the ordered place and take the second bullock and offer it as a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove, which you will cut down. Verses 25 and 26. Now, Gideon's dad was an idolater. Gideon's dad had his own place of worship, a grove with the altar of Baal, or an idol of Baal there, where they worshipped in the grove. And so God says, now take a second bullock, make another altar, and cut down the grove that your father has, where he has his place of worship. Throw down the altar of Baal, build an altar unto Jehovah, and offer the second bullock using the wood of his grove as the fire and so gideon took 10 men his servants and he did as the lord said to him and so it was because he feared his father's household and the men of the city that he could not do it at daytime so he did it by night and when the men of the city rose up early in the morning (laughs) behold the altar of baal was cast down and the grove was cut down that was by it and the second bullock was offered upon the altar that was built and they said to one another who did this and they inquired and asked and they said Gideon the son of Joash did it and so the men of the city said to Joash bring out your son that he may die because he has cast down the altar of Baal and because he has cut down the grove that was by it. I love this part and Joash said unto all that stood against him. Will you plead for Baal? Will you save him? He that will plead for him, let him be put to death while it is yet morning. If he is a God, let him plead. Let him plead for himself because one has cast down his altar. Verses 28 through 31. Now here the men of Israel are actually going They're going to do Gideon in because he threw down a pagan god. And Joash, when they said, Well, you know, send your son out, we're going to kill him. He knocked down the altar of Baal. And he said, Are you pleading for Baal, for a pagan deity? Truly, the men who are pleading for him ought to be put, be the ones that are put to death. If he is a god, then let him defend himself. You don't have to defend. God. Now, how many times we find ourselves in that awkward position of trying to defend God against the attacks of his enemies, trying to prove the existence of God, trying to defend God. Well, God is able to defend himself perfectly and complete. I don't have to defend God. God is able, very able. So they called Gideon from there, from there on, Jerubabal, which means let Baal plead for himself. Then all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the children of the east were gathered together and they went over and they pitched in the valley of Jezreel. And the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and he blew a trumpet and a Bezer was gathered after him and he sent messengers throughout all of Manasseh who also gathered after him, and to Asher, and to Zebulun, and to Naphtali, and they came to meet him. Verses 33 through 35, these are all the tribes in the northern part of the land, south of Manasseh was Ephraim, Benjamin, Judah, and Simeon, they were not brought into this battle, nor were the tribes on the other side, but these tribes that were around the area of Megiddo, Jezreel, is the same valley of Megiddo, is also known as Jezreel. This is why the Midianites had where the Midianites had encamped, some a hundred and thirty-two thousand of them. And Gideon said to God, "If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said," verse thirty-six. Now again, Gideon is still questioning his call of God, and he wants to make sure. So tell you what, I'm going to put a fleece of wool out on the ground tonight and in the morning let the ground be dry and the fleece wet then i'll know in the morning when gideon woke up he wrung a cup of water out of that fleece and the ground was dry and he thought "Mm, well maybe that was well maybe that was just the way it is maybe fleece gathers moisture at night when the ground doesn't okay lord let's reverse the process just to make sure Tonight, I'm going to put the same fleece out there on the ground and let the ground be all wet with dew, but let the fleece be dry. So in the morning, he came out again, and so the ground was all wet with dew and the fleece was dry, and so he figured that it was the Lord. Now, because of this, there are many people who seek to discern the voice of God by offering some kind of a fleece before God. And so, You've heard of a person offering a fleece before God, right? And and Lord, if they call by ten o'clock tomorrow morning, then I'll know. And you and they set up this kind of a fleece thing before God, some kind of a condition for God to meet, so that they'll know that it's really God speaking to their heart. I really don't know about fleeces today. I don't know how valid they are for us as the children of the Lord to seek and to to try to ascertain the will of God by a fleece. I mean, in the period of the Old Testament, there were many methods by which they sought to ascertain the will of God, and one of them was by casting lots, and even carried over into the New Testament. When Judas Iscariot had died, Peter said to the disciples, hey, we got to get someone else to take his place, so let's cast lots to see which one God has chosen, whether it be Barnabas or Matthias. And so the disciples cast out to ascertain the will of God. But all of this was prior to the descent of the Holy Spirit upon the church. After the descent of the Holy Spirit upon the church, we don't read anywhere where they cast lots or where they used fleeces to ascertain the will of God. But it seemed that once the Holy Spirit had begun to direct the activities of the church, there was a greater certainty in the ascertaining of the will of God just by the direct leading of the Holy Spirit. And so Paul said, And it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and us. We were determined to go to Asia, but the Holy Spirit forbade us. The Holy Spirit said, Separate unto me, Paul, and Barnabas for the work that I have called them to do. And the Holy Spirit was directing in such a positive way there, it seemed to be no need of setting up a condition for God to fulfill for them to ascertain, or there was no need of casting lots or trying to discern the will of God in some type of an ambiguous way. Paul after 14 days on that ship driven in a storm on the Mediterranean stood up and said men and brethren be of good cheer last night an angel of the Lord stood by me and told me that although the ship is going to be wrecked there would be no loss of life and the angel of the Lord directed Paul it wasn't a fleece kind of a thing it was a lot So." don't know about fleeces today i know that some people set out you know conditions for god to fill and i suppose it's okay but i just personally i don't know i don't know about them and i don't try to fleece god i just i'm just not certain about that practice though it was done in the old testament i'm not really certain about it today but each person i guess do his own thing whatever method that you have devised to really discern the way I feel if it works great do it you know whatever you've got as long as it works I mean, that's just tremendous and people will all relate to God in our own individual styles God doesn't really well you know, he doesn't set a pattern and I like that There's no pattern of God. I like the diversities with which God deals with people's lives because we are so diverse from one another. And so Gideon used his fleece to ascertain the will of God. I don't know if if, if you would set out a piece of wool tonight, I would think in the morning that the wool and the ground would all be wet. (laughs) Then what do you do? You pray. Let us pray. Father God, give us a good day today, Lord. Father, let us be constantly reminded today of your presence in our life. Not through a fleece, Lord, not through any other method, but by your Holy Spirit. Lord God, let us know your Spirit flows through us. And let it guide our lives in such a pure and perfect way that we may be the light and the salt of this world. Father, we thank you for your Son, Jesus, that He gave His life as that perfect sacrifice on the cross for our sins. And Father, may we bow our hearts to that sacrifice. And Lord, through the resurrection after the death, Lord, Mm -hmm. that we have eternal life with you forever in heaven. Jesus, we thank you. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.